Hi, and welcome to episode four of LartCast, L.ArtCast. The L stands for love. Today's guest is Dan Brody. Hi, Dan. Hey. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Okay, cool. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so a little bio on Dan before we get going. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, won't you? Dan was born in the UK, but grew up in California. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, reading Dan's bio, if you go on Dan's website, which is danbrody.com, is it? Or oh, like? danbrodyartist.com. Dan Brody Artist. Anyway, I will put the link in so you can check that out. And then you sort of had a bit of a, a stint in Prague. Yeah, I mean, that's in it in a nutshell. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in between. Like, I lived in Wales a little while, but then when we came back here when I was 15, I moved to Telford in Shropshire. Right. Um, and then um, my dad decided he didn't want to live in England. Like, so he moved to France initially. Okay. So I went, I would go out and stay with my dad in France. So he, like, sold a business in America and then let the money he got from that, which was not a huge amount of money, but was enough to, like, buy a couple of properties in France that were essentially wrecks and then and try and do them up to sell them. Mm. And, and my dad was so fluent in French that they had assumed that he was French and so was I. Yeah. And, and my dad had got like a Norman, the accent, you know, a Norman yeah. accent. So like on Bastille Day, like one day, somebody decided to start talking to me and I had to fess up and say, oh, je ne parle, I don't speak French. And he was fucking freaked out. Yeah. Like he was just like, quoi? You know, what the hell? Yeah. And he was going to my dad, appears your son is not even French. <laughs> Like, and you know, and my dad's like, well, I'm not French. Yeah. yeah. And it's this weird conversation. All I had to do was say, yeah. look, you know, look them in the eyes, shake their hand. Oui, ça va, ça va, oui, ça va. And that was it. And because that's all they said to me. Probably know about the same amount of French as what I know then, which is very little. Probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So let's go back a bit if we can. Because mm. um, we want to sort of get into the nitty, nitty gritty with the art, the art scene. And because all the paint heads that listen to this are going to know about that. Right? Oh, yeah, those, yeah. those paint heads. That's it. You That's know. what, yeah. All five people that are listening to Pigment this podcast. Pigment bitches. Pigment bitches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, growing up in Cali, uh, this is where, like, getting into the comic scene was maybe what got you into sort of, like, yeah. maybe art in the first place. Weirdly, it was a British guy um, who um, worked my dad's um, businesses, basically, at the time. He, he's got either been building houses or he's been running newspapers, like like independent little newspapers. And he had like a expat newspaper called the British Weekly. Mm. And, his, and he um, had a guy come work for him who was like a British dude who was massively into his comics. And he was just like, oh, he would do his own drawings and stuff. And I was like, oh, those drawings are so cool. Because well, all I did, all I started off was doing was copying. Mm. Like take this and then just draw what you can see, like step by step, every mark repeat it mm. without tracing it don't trace it just like have the picture of the character you want to draw and then have a blank piece of paper and then just copy what you can see and uh, did you find that at that time um because i've tried things like that and uh, found myself getting quite frustrated that what i'm trying to copy is not looking the same or it's, were you sort of getting it straight away or did it take you quite a long time to get to I where think, you needed i think i could copy things quite well mm. but at the same time also got to be aware of like when you're young and dumb you mm. kind of think that what 
those things are amazing, that you've done an amazing drawing. Like, yeah. do you mean? It's like, oh my God, it looks just like Wolverine. I wouldn't do any like preliminary pencil thing. I would get a marker pen, like a thick marker pen. Right. If And do ex uh, very close to what it was in the comic. Mm. And then and, and then those are the ones we used to sell in the playground. How and, much did uh, like a playground Dan Brody cost that then? Sometimes places? upwards of $2. $2, <laughs> yeah. I had this, the, the shittiest yeah. money clip like gold dollar Love sign it. money clip yeah. that I kept in my like Dickies yeah. like trousers, you know, and I'd, and I would sometimes ask to be paid in singles so that I would have a fat wedge yeah. like of, of ones. Of course, you, you were like literally like a cash on the hip kind of guy. If you have like $50 that weekend, which amazingly I'd burn through by Monday. Yeah. Like, and I didn't even drink booze then. Yeah, well you were 11, weren't you? Well, actually I did drink <laughs> booze, but I didn't know I drank booze. Yeah. So basically, I went to a liquor store and I would buy these wine coolers and I didn't know what a wine cooler was. I just thought it was like a posh pot, like a posh soda. Yeah. So I would buy it. And the guy in the shop, probably the first time I bought it, he probably gave me a look like, oh, shall I let him? Mm. But he's just like, oh, because I got on with him. We used to talk about comic books. Yeah. He's uh, like okay. a Korean guy who run the, run, like a young Korean guy who run this like liquor store near my house. And what, ha what I thought was a sophisticated taste to it. Mm. Well, I didn't realize that that was just boo. Yeah. Like, I just thought, <laughs> Oh, this this is the best. Did you feel no? Because I would only yeah. have like one or two. Yeah. In many respects, I was one. On one hand, some of the stuff I got up to was like bad behavior and like antisocial, whatever. But on the other hand, some things that they taught me in school, I took really to heart. Like when yeah. they were like, "You shouldn't smoke," and they and you shouldn't drink. I was like, "Yeah, you fucking shouldn't smoke. You shouldn't drink." Yeah. I was almost. I mean, straight edge didn't exist, but I was almost like a straight edge kid. So, so at that time, so you're selling, you, you're sort of making $2 a drawing. Um, so is that a point where you thought, um, art, this is art? Did you know you, you were doing art at the time or were you just sort of literally just... When they, we had like a careers thing or when they'd have the teacher say, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up and all this mm. sort of stuff? Because that was that, getting to that stage of think about, about your future and what you mm. want to do, you know. And I'd say like, oh, I, I want to be either... An artist or a film director. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to either make paintings or make movies or both. Because I'd never answered astronaut. Mm. I never answered bus driver or train mm. driver or anything that you would think a kid might. Add. I yeah. know. You know what? This is the first time I thought about that. Mm. Like, I just answered honestly what I thought. Like, yeah. I wanted to do when I got older. Was it was the One area that you were living in in California? Was that quite an arty place? Probably always was a little bit, and I think now it's becoming. I mean, we went back there. A few years ago, uh, me and Lauren, and um, it had been gentrified quite heavily. Mm. And now, if you talk about Santa Monica, people are just like, oh, it's really posh. Mm. And to be honest, it is. Mm. Like, it is posh. But we, I grew up in Pico neighborhood, yeah. which is like the tough bit of Santa Monica. Mm. And, but even Pico neighborhood now has like a fantastic like gallery, gallery complex in the middle of it. Yeah. You could argue that sometimes galleries appear because there's a bunch of money around. Yeah. Like, so they want to, they have like a place. You know, they can sell into like people who um, have got the, the disposable income to buy art, mm. you know, or, and like, and big, nice white walls to put them on. Yeah. And, you know, if you, or, or uh, uh, room for a sculpture, I don't know. When the Santa Monica High School had this fantastic art department, and when I, we did a tour of Santa Monica, and I moved when I was 15 to England, and I was to, I was going to start Santa Monica High School the following September. And I was like already basically enrolled by 
de, you know, de facto enrolled because mm. that's the school system said, right, this you're going to Santa Monica High School. We had a tour of it, and I was so excited about doing our, like, I was going to, because high school, you have this almost element of, like, starting to choose your subjects, starting to say, this is my specialism and stuff. And I, oh, you know, and this is a thing. I say film director. I also thought I could play professionally in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. I was going to do art. Yeah. I was going to do the art class there, and I was going to try and get on the high school football team, yeah, yeah. American football team. Having um, looked at your paintings over the last few days, and like I said to you before, you paint in a way in which I really like thick paint, oil paint mostly, I imagine. Mm, yeah. Um, very colourful. We've got a little bit of uh, sort of drip coming in. And like I say, like the underpainting. You know, like, um, say for example, cop. Mm. You've got in some parts of cop, you've got uh, what I assume to be like maybe spray paint a grid of dots yeah uh, just at the very bottom on the right hand it's side it's funny that you bring that up actually because there was a time where i stopped just stopped doing it um and i'd seen a lot of sigmar polk mm. um, paintings where he'd done like some kind of like stencily bits underneath and then painted over the top and i was so i was getting that influence from mm. sigmar polk um who i obviously german painter that i admire and um i was starting to bring that in to stuff and I started bringing that in actually probably fairly early on and I have like stencil spray paint stuff underneath layers of my student work mm. and then I'd have oil paint go over the top of it mm. and, it's, and it and it worked I liked it and I and I started the dots thing was quite fun because I could have that almost like print look to it like mm. like and it reverts back to some of that comic book stuff and mm. that pop stuff and if you look at um oh, Lichtenstein God. and stuff uh, like or like so you've just got that kind of that print dot kind of bit where it's like Absolutely, slightly yeah. off center yeah. and you get that like that shadow mm. and and sometimes in 3d stuff as well so you've got like the the two images in in the two different colors like the green and red and like but anyway yeah it's funny that you meant to bring it up so the point i was making really is i was looking at those dots the other day and thinking there's some stuff i want to bring some dots back into some mm. of those things so i think i don't say that i i think oh i'll never do that again and i think a more more case of like i'll do that for, that sort of thing, in terms of the abstract elements in my paintings, those are like tools that I will probably return to mm. and like use again, like if I'm feeling it's appropriate for the work I'm doing, you know. So there's some work I'm working on at the moment where I might do like some stencil stuff, like mm. spray paint bits as part of a large figurative oil painting. Mm. And it's going to make it, I know I've already planned the painting. I already know what it looks like, but I don't really make a lot of sketches. Just just quickly going back to uh, the exhibition that we've got in the salon at the moment. Um, one of the girls who works there is absolutely fascinated by it all. Mm. And, uh, and she's sort of saying, I've never really been into art. I keep catching her looking at these paintings, like, like properly. Yeah. You know, like standing, gazing at the paintings. And, uh, and it was, what has been really nice is to sort of see like somebody really, really engage in, in, for the first time. Yeah. Know? And uh, I think what your painting does or can do is um, it, there is quite a lot going on under the surface. So um, I don't know if I said, to this, I said this to you before, but when I first saw your paintings online, I instantly liked them. But when I actually saw them in person, I thought, my God, these are nothing like what I thought I was looking at before. Yeah. And now I look at them 
and think oh, there's so much going on and each time I look at them I'm seeing something different you know and like you say you've got there's that sort of uh, pop art element in some of them not all of them but that sort of seems to be sitting there in the background and then you're building on top of that um, and maybe there's a little bit of street art going in on top of that and then you've got that lovely thick kind of oil yeah um, sort of gestural painting and then you've got your figurative well that's what well. I enjoy I mean I really enjoy the physical act of painting anyway mm. but I like so there's a whole other thing there to be talked about but in terms of my process there's like an editing like it's almost editing so I, I put something marks on I'll put something in and then I'll obliterate part of it like I went through a phase and I'm not like this is like the polka dots they might come back but I used to um, paint with some very aggressive or, or I used to write text very aggressive graffiti ink that will bleed through oil paints because right. it's specifically made to be bleed through cover, people covering up graffiti mm. yeah and it's like and obviously I I wouldn't put it on unprimed canvas or just put mm. it on like a on a but it will even bleed through to the back of the canvas like yeah. do you mean and it's like so that stuff's fun because i'll do some text obliterate some of the text because i need to put something else on and i'll, I'll have an idea what i want to be in the center you know what i'm composing mm. and what i'm putting in the middle but it means that when i start to paint the rest of the canvas there'll be bits i choose to leave so you can see it and some stuff i'll try and obliterate it and let it bleed through and let it see if it'll bleed through mm. so even when i'm not using text i have used those markers just to make shapes yeah, and to put shapes underneath the the paint and then the paint and then see what leads through and then see what I edit out and see what I obliterate completely, mm. you know, stuff where I put really thick layers on and it ain't coming through it because mm. there's just too much paint there for it to, to work through. I mean, we're sitting in your studio now. I'm looking at uh, maybe three paintings now that you're sort of working on, I think, for another exhibition. Yeah. Um, they're look, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, right, that's, they're Dan Brodies, that's, that's for sure. Mm. Do, you, do you think there's something that's sort of like coming through all of your paintings? Uh, or do you, do you see each one as like being completely different? Because, you know, I, I suppose like if you're the um, person who's, you know, come to see your art, they're recognising a painting as a Dan Brody. And, it, you know, I think like they seem quite unmistakable. Do you feel like they look completely different? Or is there a, you know, like a thread there? Well, I think there's a, um, yeah, yes and no. Well, what I would say is there's a, there's a kind of ongoing, growing, like, collection. There are different collections mm. that belong to different, there's different kind of themes that have started at different times but continued, like, parallel to one another. Right. And then, other than they've bled into each other, there's been, for example, I did, um, a bunch of paintings that were based on my childhood misremembering or rather my honest memories of childhood in Southern California, mm. particularly before we lived in LA when we lived in the mountains in Central California. Yeah. And in the pines. Yeah. So there's a series in, of paintings called in the pines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they always have the prefix in the pines and then there'll be a number yeah. and then there'll be the title of that particular episode. Yeah. So um, there's, like the bare ones, which you've seen, which are probably all part of In the Pines to some extent. Yeah. And then you've got um, a few other ones that um, actually it's been kind of a fairly successful set of paintings because some of those have been purchased. Yeah. And they're not, like I can't show them because they've mm. gone to their homes. But like, but yeah, there's one of a raccoon stealing bread 
Right. Where the, so, so, so it's funny because those in the pines one will have figure, human figures in them, but often will have animals in them. Mm. Um, there's one that's called just called the greatest of all time, and the greatest of all time is a picture of a goat, but like a mountain goat, like a ram, and that sold. But mm. that was like a crossover between in the pines and then a new series of paintings that are all like to do with like magical thinking and the supernatural came from some of those like occult style imagery oh, interesting, yeah? yeah. and obviously so the but it was a mountain goat mm. the sort of mountain goat you might see in the mountains of california and it, against a, a fantastic blue sky mm. with a golden sunset in its face and it was just like yeah that could easily be in the pines i don't think we can let this bit go without you sort of talking about the uh, shuttle yeah, so yeah. obviously, I mean, it's fascinating one story. of the paintings features is a massive painting. Like, mm. uh, what is it? Like, it must be about six foot tall or something. Yeah. But, like, it's got a, a bear in the mountains, essentially, in the pines, I guess. Um, and it's got a space shuttle flying above it. And this is based on when I was a little kid and they redirected the space shuttle because they couldn't land at um, Cape Canaveral in Florida, which meant they flew over the flight path to re enter and come in was above our house. So we, so everybody was outside their houses because everybody knew the space shuttle was coming over, like, which was like, even then, even that young, when I was about six, seven, I thought, it's the space shuttle. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool. Like, it's the coolest thing. Like, mm. my mum would explain it to me, but I already knew. Like, yeah, What I wanted to ask you about that after you said was, were you seeing it low or were you actually seeing it come into through the atmosphere and come in didn't see it re-enter or anything no. like that we just saw it coming in and it was just like that's the spatial mm. and it's just like and that is ace like and obviously i'm so i've imagined this painting you know if we're watching the space shot come in then somewhere like a bear yeah. is going what the fuck like mm. and dropping his fish so mm. i've made it so his the bear is kind of comically dropping his fish mm. like you know because he's like what is that because yeah. sonic booms are a thing like when you get like anything coming particularly fast, then you get this sonic boom, well, like rocket re or like space shuttle re entry makes a rocket boom, I think, uh, sonic boom, I think. The behind the shuttle painting that you've done is really interesting, where you've got kind of like a like a burst, isn't it? Of, yeah. of flame, or, 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 but you've got that real interesting way that you've put the blue into it, yeah, which kind of makes it look. Not like an explosion, but like a burst, like a, almost like a sonic boom. Sort yeah, of well, I suppose, I mean, on some level it probably is. I just think, mm. you know, when I do, there's some elements of there being, in terms of my, like, process of making paintings, there's an element of, like, like I said, edit stuff out, so I'll put some marks on that I enjoy, and then I'll decide that I like the marks, so I'll leave it in and paint around it. Mm. And, like, so you've got that drip bit that comes off of the, below it, below the um, space shuttle, which almost forms like a light. I thought it looked a little bit reminiscent of lightning or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like left it in because I really just enjoyed that bit of paint. So this, this is where some of the abstract elements come into my work because mm. there's just bits of paint that I like. If I like it, the rule is if it works, leave it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you like that bit of paint, leave that bit of paint regardless of what you're paint, what scene I'm painting. If it's if I'm making it myself and there's like a little bit of dripped paint that I enjoy. But I'm leaving the trip in, mm. like, because it's part of it. Like, and I and I think other people will enjoy it as well. Yeah, leaving paint in. Yeah. That you like, that you enjoy. Yeah. That's a big part of the process. It's Absolutely. Like, yeah. And obliterating stuff that you don't like, you know, yeah. that's got to go. You know. Yeah. There's bits of this painting that you're looking at, like, you know, I'm in front that. of you. Yeah. Yeah. There's bits there where the, there's already been some obliteration. Yeah. There's already going to be some stuff that I think I like that. Leave that. And there'll be more things that happen in that painting. 
I can't, can I just tell you what I'm loving so far? Because I know that? this is probably far from finished, but um, that's my pencil. Uh, so the tree line at the top, mm. I'm really, I, I love the colour, the outline of that. And I was um, saying to someone earlier about how much I love the, the uh, sort of the red, orange uh, outlines of the pines in yeah. the, uh, the bear and the shuttle. But just for some reason, I suppose this is when you're kind of getting really geeky about painting. I'm loving this here and this, these yellow gestures here. Yeah, so, the, so down the, near the bottom of the canvas, there's some yellow bits that were just essentially like brush cleaning. Mm. Yeah, mm. from when I was making probably these ones. Sometimes you get the same colors yeah. come in because I've got three, two or three canvases on the go at the same time. One will be the focus of my attention and the other canvases are getting the runoff right. essentially. So I've got like, I'll mix a color and I've got like a bunch of like, is that what's happening here then? Yeah. Yeah. So there's. So we've got another canvas here, haven't we? And it's got a lot of gestures on it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. Nothing's formed yet. Nothing's going on there yet, really. Is nothing's it, forming yeah. yet. This. So on, on the left of me. On, so in front of me, I've got like a portrait of. Is this an imagined portrait? You've got yeah, I've, I use in terms of visual sources. I'll use magazines to find faces yeah. just to get the structure of the face right. So, so there we've got uh, like something coming together really nicely, um, deep in colour, blues, purples, uh, lighter shades, and then we've got yellow sort of gestures at the bottom of some maybe some poppies. Um, and then on this side we've got the same colours, but are you literally sort of taking your brush from this and then just making marks on here? Yeah. And then eventually this will become something. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, so, so essentially, I actually managed to, I, I started, weirdly, I started doing this when I was at uni. I'd have a couple of canvases on the go, and I'd start to have, like, work on a big canvas I knew what I was doing with it. And then I had another small canvas that I didn't know much what was happening with it, but it was becoming something I was cleaning my brushes on. Mm. And actually, weirdly, I was sketching stuff on that smaller canvas that related to what was on the bigger canvas. And, I, and it was becoming like a, almost like a, Sketchpad, which is one thing that I don't use enough, mm. but I had this other painting going, and I sold that painting at my graduation, like straight off the bat, and there was more than one person interested in it, and it felt like weird. Mm. I sold the other painting as well, by the way, the big painting, but I sold yeah. that other painting for not a lot. That massive painting I sold for not a lot of money, and that little painting I sold for when I was a starving art, a starving student you know, three figures, Yeah. which at that time, coming straight out of uni, had no money. Mm. So that was so handy. Yeah. And, it was, and more than one person wanted it and had to argue over who was going to get it. Mm. And they were art tutors at the college. So yeah. they, were, they were teachers who, wanted, who were uh, beefing over who was going to get it. Funnily enough, you should say they were teachers because in my mind then, I was just thinking, it would be great for a teacher to say... When you're painting and you want to clean your brush, have another canvas handy, and then you never know what's going to come from it. Yeah. And I think that's because I think this is such a great idea. I'd never thought about how I didn't really never. I never thought about how whether anybody else did that. I just assumed mm. people did do that, yeah. did the same thing. I don't know. Like I I do, but quite often there'll be a, a primary canvas and a second canvas, mm. and that second canvas is a sounding board, but but also I'm literally cleaning my brush on it. Yeah. Like. I can tell you now. I'm going to start doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's awesome idea. Yeah. Because yeah. no, yeah. absolutely. And, and you, this is creating something much more abstract at the beginning of it as well, yeah. isn't it? And it, it gives way? you some a, like a ground. Yeah. That you build on, and yeah. and it's like and it starts to make itself. Yeah. And I'm intrigued actually yeah. that. 
But I just never thought about, you don't think enough about your own practice. No, no, but that's the good thing. I mean, I think that's what's interesting about this is this isn't being thought about. This is just literally happening. It's like you're turning and you're doing that and that's, and that's it. And sometimes you think that's really where you want to get to with art, isn't it? To sort of like... Um, the process sometimes gets in the way. Mm. The thinking gets in the way. So whereas you're like thinking this and maybe sometimes you'll get into a bit where you're overthinking the portrait, when you're turning to this, this is just literally happening in the moment and you're not even thinking about it. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's, that's quite sort of like, I don't know, there's something going on there, isn't there? Yeah. But it's funny because on these two smaller canvases, which must be 60 centimetres by 60 centimetres, mm. that are, you know, to my left, you've got a portrait of a man and a portrait of a lady neither of those have got much left from the original um the original layers mm. but you can see on the portrait of the man that there are a lot more of those brush marks remaining yeah like that were from just playing with the paint that was going on to another i can't remember what painting i was doing at the time because these canvases have been a have been sat absorbing brush marks for mm. probably a year and a half okay they like before anything got done on them yeah so so i was doing i was probably making my um i think i know what painting i was first working on it which was shatner's bassoon mm. which is like the picture of william shatner with a ski mask on and a handgun in his hand right yeah yeah which isn't in the um matinee show no. but it is on display here in burn street studios um but basically i was making that painting and these these were going to be companion pieces initially mm. for that painting and it was going to be two different characters from that same episode of Columbo uh, okay. that that's taken from it. Because yeah. I, another thing, I fucking love Columbo. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I watched way too much. And that's My, it. To, to make only one painting of Columbo, yeah. where I've used a Columbo still for a source material, is like, uh, it's amazing I have them more because they went think, through a phase of like just watching Columbo. I think I'll be doing a commission here. I feel like a commission coming on because my other half loves Columbo. Oh, right. I mean, I'm a fan, but like she is like super fan. It's so good. Yeah. 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 No, Columbo's, Columbo's, I just love it. I mean, it, it, this this is just a quick aside really, but I, I had a painting that I was, I, I when I started painting, I did a lot mm. of paintings and then I thought about one for a long time and it was in the back of my mind. Then I started doing it. And I spent months, I haven't even finished it, but I've, I spent months and months on it and didn't do another thing. And I just got totally fed up with it. Yeah. And then Alex, who was on a previous podcast, said, oh, have you got anything else on the go? And I said, no. He said, well, maybe you should just paint other things as well. And that, that changed my practice overnight. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely sage advice. That I think mm. that's, like, again, something that maybe comes naturally. I've done things... I'll just sometimes just, I don't sometimes there's a lot of bikes in the studio, which mm. you probably can't, mm. which we obviously, the listener cannot see, but there's yeah. a shit ton of bikes yeah. in our big studio. And basically sometimes I'm just, I need to fix a bike for a bit. So is that what you do to kind of take your mind off of what you're doing? Oh, I'll do a bunch of stuff. I've got yeah, a bunch yeah. of things like, you know. So how, how much time typically do you spend in the studio? Or do you, would you like to? I mean, do you, do, do, you, do you actually spend the amount of time that you want to be here? here, or is, um, yeah. No. I, I would say I'd spend more time here if I could. Yeah. I think the thing about this is that on social media, and obviously in terms of your profile as an artist, you want to like, you know, I am a professional artist, but I don't, if I'm not going to pretend, you know, on social media you can frame yourself as like, mm. look, I'm an artist and this is all I do. Yeah. And But I do a bunch of other stuff. And actually, all the thing is, 
you have to like I have to eat mm. so I have to have a day job yeah like and I sell paintings and I sold a few paintings over the last couple of years that made me feel like I'm going in the right direction in terms of my commercial success yeah because I'm selling paintings more regularly yeah I'm selling them for more money and so the price is going in the right direction the frequency of the sales is going in the right direction but it's no way near enough to like live off no. and if unless you then make money from art a different way i.e you teach it or mm. you run projects with people like i know that some people's art practice means that they can do like stuff where they become like a resident artist somewhere or whatever but my practice is kind of studio-based practice and i make paintings that you put on the wall mm. and so it means that like unless i'm selling paintings or prints of those paintings or something to do with the paintings mm. um i have to have a day job yeah. so i have a day job and i work in procurement i buy things mm. for a living you know i have a desk job yeah. in an office and it's like so it's a completely it's like a jekyll and hyde existence mm. i've got to eat and yeah. yeah so i'm not from a although i talk about living in la and stuff like that mm. i don't come from a wealthy background at all like you know i have we never had any money we you know we, for a long time growing well when we lived in the mountains we had to live in a tent for a little while yeah because we had to like rent our house out to somebody like so we went and lived in just literally lived in a tent mm. and for a few months yeah. until they were ready to move out of our house so we and we you know literally had food stolen by raccoons mm. like the not on a camping trip yeah like in a comic way but our food we need to eat so it's like so you know we've been kind of always keeping the wolf in the door you know mm. so it's sort of like and when we lived in la we when we lived in Santa Monica, he said, oh, I live in Santa Monica. Like, oh, my God, so glamorous. Like, and, oh, you met Chili Peppers and mm. did all this cool stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I lived in Pico neighborhood and saw drive-by shootings outside my house, you know, and I, a friend of mine got killed in a drive-by shooting. Um, I've been shot at in a drive-by shooting. Like, I've seen, like, people pull guns on people. Mm. And I've seen things, you know, I've seen yeah. a, I've seen the worst thing I've seen growing up. I saw somebody on, on the freeway in L.A., fall out of a moving the driver's side yeah. of a moving van he fell out of it with a hole in his chest right right a gunshot hole in his chest onto the freeway like with cars coming yeah yeah my dad pulled over on the central reservation said don't look back stay in the car and he went to he walked back to 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 see if he could help i guess or see what was going on yeah i've never heard him tell me what happened right yeah yeah because it's probably fucking horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And you can imagine it. Yeah. It's like, and it's stuff like that. That's like one of those um, folk horror stories, isn't it? You know, um, but for real. Yeah. You know, like when they say, you know, don't don't get out of the car and, you know, you don't... Don't look back. Don't yeah. look back. And there's yeah. like some guy standing on the... And then the he's banging the head severed head yeah, on yeah, the yeah. bonnet. I mean, that's like a real one of yeah, them, Yeah, no, it? it's like, yeah, I know. But yeah, so we've seen some pretty wild stuff. Like... Mm. And that's informed, you know, informed my imagination. Yeah. That's become something that I enjoy, like, mm. in my own work. Like, mm. like I'm not too worried, like, I'm, I'm writing these stories in these in these paintings, mm. but, like, they don't need to be 100% right because no. let's just assume, like... Look, I mean, like, anybody that goes to look at them doesn't perhaps know the history of it anyway, and they're going to make up their own story, aren't they? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, and I haven't thing. done a painting of a guy falling out of a van with a hole in his chest yet. yeah. But, like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever will do, but yeah. like these... That's the first thing I did think when you said that, actually. Where is that painting? Yeah, no, but that's like, yeah. the thing, like that hasn't made it 
that yeah. made the cut yet. Yeah. But like, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be so on the nose with some of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. I want to almost to have like an uncanny feeling in the work about like an urban tension, especially the fact that I've grown up in <clears throat> the mountains and then spent a lot of time in the city. Mm. So I've got these two different competing cultures, like, you know, um, like the people who lived in the mountains were super, I didn't realize at the time, but they were basically super fucking racist. Yeah. And like, okay. and, and they were like, you know, I remember my best friend, basically my, one of my best friends there, when I first moved there, he, Jesse, his name was, and like, he was a cool kid, but he was influenced by his dad. You know, his dad mm. was like, I remember my, he said to me, Jesse said to me, oh, you should never go to LA. And I was like, oh, why is that? He goes, my dad says, yeah. LA is full of N-words, yeah. and N-words carry knives, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, and I didn't know what that was, right? Mm. So I was like, I didn't know the word. So yeah. I was just like, I didn't know what it meant. I was just like, well, I'll keep an eye out. Yeah. You know, if I'm in LA, I'll try and avoid the N-words. Yeah. Well, because kids just are so in, so easily to yeah. be influenced. You know? yeah. So he's picking it off his dad. And then eventually he moved to LA, and then obviously all my new friends were either black or Hispanic and some white kids as well. Like, but yeah, it's like, and it's funny because my Mexican, new Mexican-American friends were just like, because their parents or grandparents would speak Spanish. Yeah. They were, they were always speaking English because, you know, they're Californians, basically. And actually, a lot of Mexican people in California have been there for generations because mm. it was part of Mexico once anyway. So all, the, all my new friends used the N-word, mm. but not in that racist way yeah they were like calling each other n-word and yeah. calling me n-word yeah right okay. and to the point where you know i was like well, this is different and it was said differently yeah yeah so it was like completely and i was like, it was a different experience mm. so there's this tension between that rural boy from the woods and like um <laughs> start to figure out what it meant yeah and i kind of got it and i was like ah oh, it's not for me to say yeah yeah so i was just i ain't saying it yeah. And I made a decision quite, I was fairly perceptive in that respect. Yeah. Like I picked up on that and mm. I was like, I ain't, I'm not saying it. You know, I figured out what it was and yeah. I was like, okay, so I'm going to leave that then. Yeah. It's not for me to say. I'm almost interested in that and trying to work that into my work a bit, but mm. I have, I've kept it fairly subtle so far, to be honest. It's mm. not been that overt. Um, a lot of my work, I've always had this shyness about being too on the nose with stuff. Mm. And I don't want to make like morality play paintings. Yeah. And I have, when I've attempted to do a painting that was kind of about a, a, a particular political subject, it was not that successful a painting, you know? Yeah. It was misread easily for a start, mm. so that was a problem. Um, and I could see why. Yeah. Um, because, and it's like, and I've gonna, I was thinking about writing an essay about what's wrong with this painting, that mm. like describing a, a, almost a list of why this painting doesn't work, mm. what it was meant to do, and how it's a failure, but yeah. by the way, it's still for sale. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Uh, yeah, if you want it for the right price, it's, yeah, it's like more I than $2, I've still got it on Satchi.com. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Satchi Art. It's yeah. still on there. A bad photo of it yeah. um, that I took on my phone, you know. Like, it's, I think I listed it for, like, two grand a week. Yeah. Like, just because if you want to buy it for two grand, that's fine. It's a massive painting. Mm. But it's, like, it's. I, I went all the way through the painting knowing there was problems with it yeah. visually and also how it would be interpreted mm. and and had did, you, to... did you do the essay or not no i was i, I want to do it because i've got the website and i need to add a blog bit to it mm. one of the things i'd like to do for the blog is do an essay about that painting yeah and about like dissecting it firstly 
what's right about what's right with it what's wrong with it what was i trying to do how it's failed mm. how it can be misread and easily misread and why it's right that it's been read the way it's been read yeah like because like you know just an example it's got female nudity in it mm. but no male nudity in it like and i guess the point i was trying to make was about kind of macho cultures and pornography and things like that and like how they kind of like objectify women and things but also give the woman a little bit of agency because she's the only figure in the painting that's looking directly at the viewer but actually what it looks like is you're a male artist who did a lady with the tits out right on it and actually like and you just look like you're objectifying this woman mm. yourself as the artist and it's like yeah shit I did, fucking does look that way like yeah. and and dif difficult because if you want people to read the painting a certain way then you've got to make it so they can read it a certain way like you can't like make it easier than interpret it differently. That's interesting. So it's a failure in that sense, yeah. because the, immediately, and it was meant to be a pain. You know, when you finished it though, you knew it was a failure. Or, because I mean like- what, It was a bit what, like the bridge over the river Kwai. Yeah. Like I just carried on. Yeah. I knew it was a failure before I finished it, but I just carried on. I didn't paint yeah. over it. I just finished the painting. Yeah. And then, then exhibit it once in a, in a show I did, and then, then put it away quietly. But there's plenty of, um, throughout, of, art history there's plenty of paintings of naked women i mean like hundreds of thousands of yeah but i think you have to think about like um you know i'm not a historical figure mm. i you know i live like now and know the things i know now mm. so obviously i've got to think about how i because look some of those amazing works of art were sold essentially as port yeah like they were those paintings were sold to people who wanted to have a wank over it right. like do you know what I mean like that that so they were objectifying female form. Do you mm. know what I mean? They were basically dirty pictures yeah. for the lads. Just that the lads just had to be mega rich landowners. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it was a way of discreetly having um, some nudies in your mm. house. Like, do you know what I mean? It was like if you were rich enough to have. So a, if you were rich, it was acceptable to do. Well, because you can because it was art. You see, yeah. so you can get like a big painting yeah. of uh, you know uh, the most comical version of it is the. Full Madonna with the big boobies, yeah. which is in LOLO. Yeah. But like jokes aside, that's yeah. that's kind of what they were doing. It's like, you know, so I've done my Full Madonna with a big boobies painting, mm. yeah. and it's like, and it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. Like, it, and it's just like, oh, and, but I carried on like an idiot. But like, mm. you know, I just wanted to finish the painting, thinking, st like one of my worst parts of my personality is I'm stubborn, mm. is that I kind of already knew there was problems with it, and I was like, well, if I finish the painting. Then it resolve itself like you know it'd be able to read the painting and i can explain what it's about yeah. but i shouldn't need to explain what it's about the whole point of my i try not to explain my paintings i like to people to get first of all their own conclusions from them mm. that's actually part of the, the way i make paintings is that, that they can be read in a number of different ways so that people can look at it and form their own stuff i love when people come up with me to me with some theory about what i was trying to get yeah at. and i indulge them because actually i don't got a problem with people coming up with their own theories i mm. enjoy that yeah. like and they're kind of part of the point of making it is that people come up with their own ideas of what I'm trying to do. Mm. And then when they repeat it back to me, that's great. That's mm. part, we're interacting and that's, that's the point of me making the work. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a painting that I kind of did. It's big. I kind of like, there's elements of it I still like today. Yeah. Like little technical elements that I enjoy when I look at it. Um, but the hand of the woman is fucking shit because yeah. it's my own hand because I didn't have her hand in the right position so I use my own hand as a guide but yeah. I have a man's hand yeah. like so she has a man's hand oh like, uh, yeah, yeah 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 so it's yeah. like it looks like a man's hand yeah. it doesn't look like a female hand it's, it's like and I thought well it's not going to matter because it's just a hand I just need a hand 
And it's like, no, it's like got all the knobbly bits. Like, she's been like working on bikes by the way. So it's like, yeah, yeah. or cons working construction or factories. You've brought up hands now and actually, <clears throat> Bill popped in to help me hang up those Dan Brady things in the window. And I, was, I don't know if you've noticed his hands, but he's got extremely youthful looking hands. Yeah. A man of his age. Have you ever noticed that? Well, he's got a painting of his hands in his attic. Ah, <laughs> well, there you go then. Yeah, yeah, that explains it. Right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to kind of almost wrap up. But I, did, I sent you that message earlier about like that whole kind of one call thing. If you have thought of some, yeah, I mean, there's, it's difficult because there's lots of things on mm. there. Um, there's something that I keep like telling people to go you know, check out, which I don't think anybody checks out. There's a TV show my wife judge called um, On the Tour Bus, right? And it's an animated documentary mm -hmm. series. And it's done two seasons of it so far that I'm aware of, right? And you can watch it on Sky Comedy, I think, on demand or whatever. And um, and there's must be other ways of streaming it, like I don't know. Um, because we watch on Sky Comedy, that's why we'll watch it. And it is fucking amazing. Mm. Because there, he did one season that was all on, like, country and western. And one that was all on funk. Right. And he does essentially a story of those genres. But told through some key figures. And tales from the tour bus. And stuff that they did. Biographical stuff. Mm. Showing as many living people who remain that can to tell the stories. And then obviously having to refer sometimes to the versions of people who are no longer with us. Yeah. But like, it's got some incredible stuff on it. Mm. That, the, the, it's worth watching just to see Bootsy Collins do an impression of James Brown. Okay. Because Bootsy Collins recounts when they toured with James Brown as their backing, mm. when Bootsy Collins of the rubber band or, or who, as they were eventually be called, you know, were working with James Brown or his backing band. There's some fantastic stories about real things that apparently went down on these tour buses. Okay. Like, and it's amazing. Mike Judge, who obviously did, who's done a bunch of really good stuff. Mm. King of the Hill. I'm a big fan of King of the Hill. Okay. So this yeah. is animated as well. Yeah. Animated. Yeah, yeah. Animated documentary. So it's called uh, Tales from the Tour Bus. Tales from the Tour Bus. Mike yeah. Judge, and possibly on Sky. Sky. It's probably on Sky, Sky Comedy, Comedy on yeah. demand. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to go see an exhibition in the Tate. Right now, then I would recommend, and I haven't been able to go because I've got no money, mm -hmm. um, but Paul Rego has got an exhibition on Tate. Okay. And that's amazing. Like, Paul Rego's one of my big influences um, on my work, so I would check that out. Oh, uh, good. I'm glad you dropped that in, yeah. Uh, Paul Rego. Um, and then, so, so three things, really. What was the other thing? Really, like, listening to the comments coming. Okay. Um, the band, they do, like, jazz. Um, it's a jazz they're jazz, yeah. but they do like electronic elements as well, and they're just fucking really good. We've seen them live. In... And what are they called? The Comet is Coming. The Comet is Coming. Go yeah. on, Ed. Go on, pick one. Pick one of those three. What? What are you talking about? Just one. Go on. You can all, do, do all of those three. Yeah. They'll no. go in, yeah. No, okay. So if, if you were... Oh, my God. Okay, just listen to The Comet is Coming. They're amazing. There you go, then. Yeah. Comet is coming, yeah. That's I'm gonna, unfair I'm gonna... to admit. Let's power it down to one. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's what it's called. One cool thing. Yeah, okay. If that's, if that's the, probably the coolest thing. Yes. Yeah. In terms of the cool kids. Cool things. Yeah, that's yeah. A cool, the coolest. Jazz. Cool, yeah. Well, jazz has got a big... You've got to check out the jazz scene, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So, um, so, Dan Brody. Thanks very much. Dan Brody is currently exhibiting at Hatbox Salon. Yeah. 
uh, in Northampton. Uh, all are welcome and the exhibition is called Matinee and uh, I can really uh, recommend you come and see it. It is brilliant. Okay guys, so uh, I'll wrap this up now by saying thanks for listening and um, obviously you would know by now you can really help this podcast by kind of liking, sharing, telling people about it and uh, following us as well. Um, So yeah, thanks a lot and thanks Dan. Cheers, yeah no worries, thank you.